thought I told you to back the fuck off, Beansy. I did. Then I put it in drive. Oh, you think this is funny? That guy might never walk again. Did you know that? And for what? Because he didn't dope you enough? Because he didn't visit you in the can? When's the last time you visited anybody in the can, Richie? When's the last time you gave a fuck about anybody but Richie April? Do you remember one thing, and this you better hear. You want to talk all this old school bullshit about the rules? Well, here's a rule you might remember. I'm the motherfucking fucking one who calls the shots. And you better pay me the respect that I gave your brother, or we're going to have a problem. A bad one. Oh, welcome to Cut to Black, a soprano sit-down. No one can say fucking fucking. No one can say fucking and then fucking again twice in a row, quite like Tony Soprano, a.k.a. James uh, Gandolfini. I am Jim Scampoli. I am Jacob Burrows, and no one can say toodle fucking ooh quite like Melfi or even toodaloo in itself. We're going to talk about episode three of season two, in case you couldn't tell. That is the title, toodle fucking ooh. It's not really a, a lot to analyze as far as the title. Sometimes there's a lot of layers. Here, here there's a nice little fun little thing she said. Um, who wrote and made this one? Well, this one was written by Frank Ranzulli, which, you know, he has written a few episodes. I don't need to keep reading them every time, and he will write a few more. This was also directed by uh, Lee Tamahori, who also—this is the only episode of Sopranos he directed. He also directed Triple uh, X, State of the Union, starring Ice Cube. He also directed the movie Next, starring Nicolas Cage. And he also directed a movie called Along Came a Spider. And also of note, on January 8, 2006, he dressed as a woman and was trying to solicit sex from an undercover police <laughs> officer, but he was only convicted oh, okay. of criminal trespass. So, welcome. <laughs> uh, and then real quick, well, a couple of things to get off the, the, at the top of the show here before we get into this episode, season two, episode three. We do need to do some cleanup from last week because there was a death that we maybe missed. Mm-hmm. It was. I, it's written in huge. I like. I was. I was like, what? What are these notes? I don't. How did I write notes for this episode already? And it was just huge capitals. The dad from last week counts. Parentheses for the death counter. Um. Yes. Uh. Because he was there and then he died and I feel like it counts. And I know we have had funerals before where it didn't count, but it's not like it has to be gang related. I feel like it counts because he was he was in the show and then he died. And that's a big difference to someone who just appears as a corpse. Yes. For for to catch people up, the reverend's father that uh, Tony talked to, he, he did have his funeral by the end of the episode. We did miss it on the counter. So let's go throw it on up real quick. Make it official. Yeah. <laughs> I That's can't right. Wait. So for everyone listening at home, we now have a total of uh, 16 on the death counter and a five still on the walkout counter. I can't wait till you know what that sounder is. But And then one other thing that I think should be noted here, um, because uh, how apropos, but Jamie Lynn Sigler, who plays Meadow Soprano on The Sopranos, her ex-husband this past week was found guilty uh, in a $300 million pump-and-dump stock scam uh, where he he he, uh, he made millions running OmniView Capital, uh, I guess a garbage stock that he would hype up uh, to old people and investors and then dumped it and left investors with the worthless stock. So it's got two relations here because it's very Webistics. Uh, which we're learning about here in season two. And he did marry uh, Jamie Lynn Sigler. Although 
they were married in, I believe, 2003, and they divorced in like 2007. So it's been the, they've been divorced for a while, and she's not she hasn't been implicated in any type of connection to this. But we are uh, uh, cut to black soprano sit down, so it does need to be mentioned. Well, yes, and also uh, we we can't we cannot rule it out the very likely possibility that this is where he got the idea um, <laughs> from talking to his uh, ex-wife and or wife. What, well, speaking of which, since you're in uh, the region of uh, looking up stuff, I, I've been wondering how old are the actors who play Meadow and AJ at the time of season two? Because I'm watching this and wondering that, but I can't go and check because sometimes if I just click an actor, it'll say, you know, appeared in five episodes of The Sopranos. And I'm like, well, they're going to die in a few episodes. Uh, not that I think that's the case with them, but I want to be careful here. Uh, let me take a look here. So, yeah, season two is in the year 2000, I believe. Um, yeah, it's early 2000. I mean, it okay. was probably filmed 99. Okay, so, yeah, in season two, she was born in 1981, so she's 19. Mm. Uh, let me look up Robert Iller, who we did we did just celebrate his birthday um, oh. recently. Yes. He's in March. He was born in 85. So, yeah, what, he's 14, roughly, maybe 13, 14, uh, during season two. Okay, yeah, that all makes sense. Uh, I mean, it's just something you start wondering about when it's all about kids and how kids act. And, uh, you know, in a lot of TV shows, they have, uh, you know, an acting age and then a real age and whatever. But it's more or less, I mean, she's supposed to be... 18 i guess in the show at this point or yeah roughly think? yeah she's supposed to be like 17 18 because i think she's about to graduate uh because last yeah. year was like well season one was like sats and getting ready and then this year is kind of continuation of that although did she did just get her license as well yeah. so yeah maybe she's supposed to be a little younger wait I mean, but that's very confusing for me because I still, after years well, of television, don't right. know how that works. Well, because typically the m- the more standard age here in the United States, getting your license, you're 16. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah, I mean, I didn't get mine. 18 here. I didn't get mine until I was 19. So I mean, I, my friends drove. Oh my! I yes. got I got uh I got my own valets here. Uh, anyways, <laughs> back to Sopranos. I mean, this is this does work because it does start out. Tony driving up to Livia's house. A big party's going on, and who's responsible? Meadow Soprano. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, we had just learned that the place was already kind of shittied up by a kid's party in there. So, I mean, maybe this was a that was a previous Meadow party that we just uh, the police didn't have to come because someone OD'd. Uh, but here we are again, uh, and uh, Tony has to deal with it because he's got a nice cop on the inside that gave him a gave him a little inside scoop. Yeah, this concept of party houses, I can only assume that in uh, the ho- the land of foreclosure, U.S., uh, <laughs> proud old USA, that's a thing that happens a lot, right? Uh, I believe so. I mean, it's either that or homeless people living in there. But hey, I cool, mean, they're man. homeless. That's a home. That's a peopleless home. Put two and two together, you got happy yeah. people. True. I mean, here we just drink in the woods because it's like maybe there's a weird cabin in the woods and then, you know, we all get murdered, Um, but mainly just woods drinking. Yeah, but I would also say, I mean, I basically I'm the same age as Jamie Lynn Sigler. I was born the same year and uh, I like to feel like Sopranos really shows my uh, like mine and Meadows parallels. But uh, we didn't really it wasn't quite the land of the foreclosures at the time. So there was definitely a lot of drinking in the woods, but 
you would still have the occasional sitcommy house party that would happen, much like uh, this episode here. Yes. Uh, I just, when I was in the US, I was like, there's a lot of abandoned houses everywhere, which was is not something I'm used to. Do, though, to be fair, there's a lot of like abandoned uh, barns and such that you could probably go into and drink here, but it's not quite as uh, not quite as nice as having real walls. But either way, with this well, whole scene, I think like this is a pretty messed up thing to do, right? Yes, it's well, pretty fucked up. And real quick, not to reference another TV show, but TV shows have taught us that with an abandoned house, you have three things that could happen: you could have a homeless person living in there. Although I guess that's real life. You can have a uh, kids throw a party there, or if you're a fan of The Wire, you could board it up and it's full of dead bodies. Uh, so those are your options. Yep, that's about it. Uh, well, this one's not full of dead bodies, not yet, but they're doing a lot of drinking. There's one guy ODs and is brought out on a thing, and it's like Tony's so right when he's like in your grandmother's house, and she's all, "Oh, it wasn't my fault." And I, I, the the thing that made me ask about her age is the perfect way she delivers. Like, what's that line when they get home? Oh, uh, is it? Uh, I could have done ecstasy tonight, but I didn't. Yes. I think that's a great line. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. And she runs upstairs and slams the door like the daughter in spaced. Um, yeah, it's pretty great. Um, and you know, the I guess Tony asks the question of the episode when Carmilla is saying, like, What did you do? He's like, I yelled, What the fuck else am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I didn't catch this until I thought about it a, a bit, uh, but I mean, it's obvious how this parallels his relationship with subordinates or made men coming out of jail and mm. you just can't uh, kill them. Yes. Yeah. There's there's protocol and it really just comes down to, you know, is, is the person going to respect the rules or not? Like, because it really comes to a point where, Someone could just be like, no, I don't care about these rules. And then if it's not like a legal thing, you're just kind of like, oh, shit, now what? What do I do now? So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. There's a nice nice parallels going on here. And I, I will say, like, when I originally watched this show, I think a lot of people would be in the same bo boat. And I'm sure people that don't listen to Sopranos podcasts are in the same boat. When I was like a young lad watching the show, I would always be like, oh, get to the mob stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, when, when the family stuff's happening. But now, I mean... Not just recently, but uh, especially now discussing the episodes, I'm really impressed with the way they they handle and nail the family stuff because it feels very natural and organic and uh, like kind of the mundane part of it and how it relates to mob stuff is really genius. Agreed. And maybe watching it younger, it might feel more like a superhero show where you have the character, oh, why is he got to go back to his boring, like, secret identity and have his boring life? But And then, like, there's the superhero version when he's, you know, out, not fighting crime, but doing crime. But here is, I mean, the whole thing is about family because that's what this mob concept is as well. And these people, like his children know all these people as various uncles and stuff, and they're all hanging out and grilling at his place. So it's all interconnected. So it makes even more sense to uh, get all that stuff in there. And when you can get a nice parallel, well, that's even better. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I like AJ being like, "I want to watch the fight." Like, to go mm -hmm. go in your go to your room, and it's like she's drunk and I'm getting yelled at. Uh, all great stuff, and the, and they do intercut it with we do get our introduction of Richie April going to see Beansy. It's kind of awkward the way like he kind of like shows yeah. up and goes there, and then it cuts back to Carmilla and Tony like discussing 
the meadow situation. I was also thinking that because it cuts um, on. It's just Adriana dropping off her uncle. And by the way, right away, I know this guy's trouble. Like, at first, I think he's a rat, but that's yeah. just due to big pussy. Like, I think everyone's a rat now. I'm like, he's probably a rat. He's a rat. Like, you, you were asking me, like, does this change whether Altieri was a rat? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, everyone's a rat, Jim. Uh, I don't know if you're watching the same show as me. Um, but no, of course, he's not a rap, but he's too old school for his own good. But we don't find that out. We just get a shot of him, and then we cut back to uh, the bedroom, and Tony gets to you know talk about how it's impossible to discipline your kids these days, and you know uh, just don't let her know we can't do anything or we're fucked. Yeah, that's and it's a great kind line. of uh, fun to see him uh, all tied like that and not able to act. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. He, he Tony has some really great lines, and I know we kind of mention this a lot, but. When you focus on just the family stuff, it does almost seem like it could just be a sitcom, but yes. in like the best way. I don't mean that as a dig, in like the best way possible, like a really fun and entertaining sitcom. I mean, yes, there's so many moments and that we're lazy for not having done this yet, but can you imagine like, <laughs> I could have taken ecstasy, but I didn't. And it's like, ha, 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 as she's running up and they're like looking at each other. That could that could be something, um, and and AJ's answer was like, "Oh, she messes around with ecstasy, and I'm getting yelled at." Oh, that's <laughs> what it was. Yeah, classic two and a half men kind of <laughs> kid saying an adorable thing there. So um, Richie goes to see this guy Beansy. Yep, uh, he's not been in this, right? Before. I don't think so. No, I don't think we've seen Beansy before. Yeah, but we kind of get the hang of what's going on. Uh, I mean, as I said, Richie, this guy is too old school for his own good, it seems. Uh, he does get, get to say, like, Polly Walnuts told me he ran into you this morning. And I'm like, Polly <laughs> Walnuts, it's ridiculous. You're so old school. And that's Paul. That's the Polly we know and love. That's Polly Wings. Oh, that's Polly Walnuts. Yeah, that's Polly. Why Walnuts. is he not? Why does he? Why is he not known for his surname? Isn't he? Why isn't he Mister Walnuts yeah. then? That, uh, well, so and great. I'm also wondering if they ever call him Polly Walnuts besides this scene. But uh, he is known as Polly Walnuts. Awesome. Uh, well, that ch- like I I know I used to be down on this character. Now I'm so much more on board. Uh, now that I know his true identity. Um, and yeah, so um, he beats the shit out of Beansy, who at first, you know, is acting happy to see him, but Richie's not super happy. And you know that coffee pot is going somewhere, uh, it, like kind of as it's placed there, Chekhov's coffee pot. And yeah, indeed, it's smashed over the head. And um, yeah, it gets a right good beating. Yes. And um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the rewatchers out there are right with me. We're very excited that Richie Aprile's here. And uh, Richie is the brother of Jackie Aprile, who we knew from season one, uh, right. died from cancer. Because, I mean, it's, like you said, he's clearly bad news. He's clearly the antagonist here. Uh, but he's so fun to watch. And I, they throw in these little things, like there's even the hints already, like where he's talking about meditation, um, like he's been meditating in the can, and then later on we see him in yoga and stuff. So he's got his own little quirks. And then, yeah, mm. Beansy makes some comment about, like, he'll step up, like, uh, I'm not going to take this. I won't be shaken down. And, yeah, Richie hits him in the head with the fucking coffee. I, I like how Beansy's trying to play it. Like, he's trying to yell at the kid and act like the kid's a piece of shit. He's like, yeah. how you let my friend sit here with uh, empty coffee? You know, go get him a... Go get him an eggplant palm and, and fucking hurry up about it. But, uh, you know, to Richie, he's not impressed by any of that shit. Like, you're just going to boss around some stupid kid that works at a pizza shop? No, nah, I'm going to beat yeah. the shit out of you in front of everyone. 
Yeah, and I mean, this is also what I meant by I don't want to know how many episodes people are in because oh, yeah. I my thought was like, well, Tony should kill this guy like really quickly because he's such he's obviously such bad news. But then like the first line is almost like, oh yeah, you I know you're a made guy, like as you always bring up like to <laughs> let the audience know. Of course, having now uh, rewatched Goodfellas, we know it's very bad if you kill a made man. I honestly don't know the logistics of how t- who Tony would need to. Ask would you need to like run it up the ladder to New York? I I don't even know. Is that where the ladder goes, or is it bilateral? I'm not even sure. That that is an interesting point, and I almost wonder it. It might not be so much that Tony has to get the okay from anyone, anyone, but it would probably be looked upon in bad taste. Yeah, if he did something like because it's almost like I think they mention it, uh, or Richie mentions the line. The line is like you siding with a civilian. So even though Richie is clearly out of line, if Tony went to that extreme, it could be more that he loses rank with other, you know, made guys who kind of like second guess him. Not so much that they care that Richie died, but that, yeah, the whole like siding with a civilian type thing. There needs to be more of an explanation for Tony to have to put a to clip him, I guess. And I, plus, it hadn't even. Uh, sorry, okay. go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to one last thing. And, and plus, I think. You know, the fact that he did do 10 years, it just shows that he's like he's a stand up guy as far as that world's concerned, because it's not like he took a plea or did whatever. Like he he's a tough dude that's well known amongst everyone. And he did his time and now he's out. Wow. I mean, I didn't even um, really consider it until now, but there's such a like obvious Obvious similarity of like, I don't know, like old school feudal class society of like a nobleman <laughs> yeah. who like, well, yes, you can't strike a nobleman like you this. He's of the blood or whatever. Or like, I don't know, a samurai or something. We have our own code of honor. And that's probably part of the whole appeal when you're a kid seeing these people who, yeah, we could do anything. As they say in Goodfellas, we didn't care because other people really become like less than you like they become less important and their lives are less important and you raise yourself like within this weird internal power structure you're raised up and you actually do think no obviously i can't kill him he's one of us um kind of like a fucking knight or something yeah absolutely absolutely um and so yeah then where do we go from here oh it's kind of back to back to the home life back to the sitcom life uh, they're they're doing their breakfast thing, which is always some of my favorite setups now. Um, and then what is it? Janice comes in, and Janice has to kind of lecture them a little bit on how she's a free Meadow's a free spirit, and you want to try to control this independent woman who's just who every, every part of her being is telling her to be free. Yeah. And she just because she exercised your independence, oh, you want to punish her now because you don't like her choices. And Meadow comes down and eats some Cheerios and uh, comes up with this uh, great idea that they should take her credit card away. Like, how many credit cards did your parents give you, Jim? Because I didn't get any. Yeah, I didn't have any credit cards when I was in high school to pay for my gas or if I need to buy a book or, like, clothes for school and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's really, like, they're so lost that they'll take whatever and they're like yeah no for three weeks like she says two weeks and he's like three and then immediately they agree to give her money still for gas because she already used her allowance yeah Uh, so um yeah kind of comical and she they 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 it's summed up so perfectly in that look that quick look she gives as she walks away like it's pure victory and it is tony's thing of like if she doesn't if she realizes we don't have any power we're fucked and it's clear that she realizes they have no power 
Yes. Um, so then we have uh, a scene with Tony and uh, Richie outside the meat shop. Satriellis. Satriellis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, I got no, it. you nailed good. it. Satriellis. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, I'm proud. Uh, yeah, they sit down and uh, gonna, they're having a little talk, and then Christopher comes up. Oh, they're all palling around, by the way. Of course, no bad blood here. Um, and yeah, Christopher comes around, and again with the old school stuff, he tells him, "You want to raise your hand? You give her your last name." Talking about Adriana, then it's none of my business. And then he like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And then he's like, "Good kid." <laughs> and it's like, wow, it's such an insane uh, rationale and way of thinking. But it makes perfect comical sense in the mind of this yeah. like Guido idiot. Uh, <laughs> where he's like, yeah. you know, that's what I'm here about. You know, uh, my niece. You raise your hand to her, you give her your last name. Like this, the way this actor nails it too is so great. He's so fun to watch, and I should give him the fucking common courtesy of. Uh, Knowing his, his name. name. Let me pull it up real quick. I apologize. Well, I did people. see that this uh, actor also auditioned for the role of Tony Soprano's um, uh, Soprano, but uh, David Chase thought that he looked too right, like which kind of goes in line with what you were saying, that it's such a perfect way for him to act. This, this character that he's doing now is so perfect for him, and it's almost like if he was doing Tony. Tony's a, a little less obviously the guy you would think of as a leader of this uh, mob family, which uh, kind of offsets it a little bit. Yeah, David Proval. And shout-outs to David Proval because he also has a, a part in the movie Monster Squad, uh, oh. which is one of my favorite movies. And I guess he was on the TV show Monster Squad as well. That's interesting. Mm. <laughs> I can only imagine he plays a very similar role in both. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, he he uh, kind of talks. Uh, he, yeah, he wants to say like, "Oh yeah, I want my shy business back," and then Tony just fucks off out of there. He's like, "Nope, nope, 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 nope," and he's gone. And uh, Silvio needs to step in and go like, "No, no, you never talk to the skipper directly anymore, and ne- you can talk to him, just uh, not here ever." Um, which is you know, and and this look he has here is really like, "What the fuck?" Like he's not just being offended he's like confused by what's going on which isn't strange like as they keep saying he's been away for 10 years so he is kind of here to show a sort of contrast between the past and what is present as has been in the series from the beginning when tony said you know i was coming in at the end and and all of that stuff so he kind of is a relic and and yeah i believe david chase uh did mention when he talked about this season that he he was reading articles like it was this was kind of a thing that was popping up where a lot of old school mob guys were kind of all getting out of prison at around the same time. Because I don't know if there's just a lot of big arrests. Well, I mean, I guess it ties in with like Goodfellas, like Goodfellas was kind of uh, oh, what was that early 80s? Not, it wasn't late 80s when they turned one in either way. But uh, yeah, basically, it, this was a real clash that was happening and that's what he wanted to explore of how things changed so much and then you got these guys that did their time and did the right thing and now everyone's kind of fighting over the you know pieces of the pieces of the business yeah um exactly next scene is in a restaurant we have melfi with two of her friends and they drank a whole bottle all by themselves <laughs> uh which i don't know that doesn't seem like that much but again i don't know Maybe it's super strong wine. Maybe it was a big bottle, to be fair. Uh, it was enough wine f- to make her ha- have 
awkward, weird small talk with Tony as she's passing him on the way out. Uh, Polly Walnuts, as he shall forever be referred to by me, is uh, <laughs> sitting there uh, flirting with them as they're passing by. And uh, that's great. Um, he also gets a great joke in there uh, afterwards. But uh, first of all, yeah, uh, she she makes awkward small talk as Tony kind of points out, what are we doing, making fucking small talk over here? Uh, and she kind of fucks off, but uh, not before saying toodaloo, yeah. um, which she later firmly regrets. Yeah, I like this reversal because Tony, I mean, well, Tony's got a few layers going on because obviously he's with his his crew, his, you know, his his other family crew, his mob crew. So it's already going to be awkward because it's already looked upon. I mean, it was a big deal for him to even admit to them that he's seeing a psychiatrist. Um, I mean, I guess we did learn that they knew it was a woman because of the Polly's Polly Walnuts' little speech at the end of season one. But I mean, obviously, that's going to be weird. He's not going to say this is my therapist. And then the other layer is that you know the last time he talked to her, it was what get the fuck out of my life or whatever it was when he kind of went and asked her for help. Uh, and now she's yeah, she's giddy little drunk girl as we do kind of see in her therapy session. Uh, like you say, the, the layers of the title, it's funny because the episode, you know, playfully breaks down what's happening. Uh, and I really like the the doctors dueling over what this and this means. They kind of have a lot of fun with uh, some of the therapy stuff in this episode between that and like Melfi having her dream journal and being kind of so corny about all their little garbage. Yeah, I only wish that she would have gotten up and walked out of there from her therapist so we could finally start <laughs> catching up on that counter but no dice um i mean yeah he's with his crew but uh i mean big pussy's there and some other guy who i don't know who that is and uh he, i don't think he they necessarily know about i mean may, they've probably heard about the therapy thing because that's at large but maybe not that it's a woman either way they assume it's some old uh Guma of his and you know he's not gonna correct them obviously he lets them think yeah. that and agrees like yeah fine she was good whatever uh, and then Polly gets his uh, great joke of like, "Hey Sylvia, you, do you remember your first blowjob?" Uh, and he says, yeah. "I almost he used says, that. what? I almost used that for the open. It was such a tough oh, call." Yeah. yeah, yeah. How long did it get, take for the guy to come? And then you said this uh, like in season one that he always repeats the joke, and it <laughs> makes it so much funnier that he's repeating it for his own amusement. Um, <laughs> Good stuff, Polly Walnuts. Yeah, he has to ask the guy next to him if he just heard what he just said two seconds ago because he loves that he, he burned him so bad. And, yeah. and it is fun to see, like, yeah, Tony is kind of trying to just change the subject, but he has to kind of play along and be like, all right, she was good. And they're like, ah, I knew it, Skip. Ah, yeah. the big blowjob lips, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Which brings us into, I mean, we kind of smash cut to her going toodle fucking you. What the fuck was that? And it is great to see her, you know, we've seen her cut loose before, but now she's actually speaking her mind in a different way to her therapist. And I think this is the first appearance of her therapist. Yes, uh, this is the the first appearance of her therapist. Uh Elliot uh, Kupferberg. He's played by Peter uh, Bogdanovich. I think I said that I, right. I recognized him, and I made the mistake of going to his page, and that's when I realized I shouldn't do that because I saw how many episodes he's in. Uh, not that I will mention how many, but uh, he's in more than this one. Yeah, and he's a director. He directed The Last yeah. Picture Show, I believe, was probably one of his biggest ones, which I've never seen. 
Uh, maybe that's something we should check in. Uh, and also, a lot of the stuff actually, uh, well, specifically, there's like an hour. It's either like an hour or an hour 20 uh, long interview with that Peter Bogdanovich runs with David Chase. Uh, some of the clips I pulled when we talked about Goodfellas, where David Chase is talking about Goodfellas. Um, I mean, he's, he's like a, obviously a big fan as well, so it's kind of kind of fun that they put him in here as uh, Melfi's therapist. Yes, and uh, he asks her, "What did you see at that table that made you want to hide, Doctor?" She uh, because she, you know, they they get uh, th- they reach the conclusion that she wanted to hide the Doctor and show the girly like regressing into that side. And one interpretation would be, "Yeah, you know, I I didn't want his mob people to know who I was or whatever." But her answer is, "I saw a patient that I never wanted to see again." And he asks, "Do you mean see at all or just see?" professionally as a patient and i don't think she has a good answer for that yes and yeah because he breaks it down in the c as a he takes the side of c as a patient and that's why she reverted to uh like young giggly girl melfi when she talks to tony and it's really interesting because i'm i'm trying to glean how much she's told elliot about this patient because it would almost seem if she's I mean, if she's being truthful in therapy and at this point where it's been months that she was, you know, in hiding because of it, that she would have maybe let discuss it a little bit. And especially the way we've seen her discuss it with her family. But then mm-hmm. it, they leave you with basically she hasn't because he mentioned she mentions like I had to go on the lamb. And then he answers and he's like, did you say lamb? Like, so he kind of doesn't have an idea like the true ramifications of this patient, I guess. Yes, which would be a bit strange because it's been very central in her life given that she's had to go on the lam recently. So it seems like she might have brought that up before. But I could also imagine her doing that and just saying that, I don't know, things were too stressful or whatever. But he he, doesn't she also say kind of that, um, you know, this patient passed away because of this other patient? Mm -hmm. And he says, well, no, it's like if you went on vacation or whatever. And... I, you're right though. I, I get the feeling that she, from the last thing he says, that it's she's not been totally transparent. Well, and especially because he is totally on the side of Tony, and you would almost yeah. expect that if he knew the full uh, amount of what's going on, that he wouldn't. Because, like, you're starting to see. I mean, if you look at it in a meta TV sense, you're starting to see the seeds of maybe you know her her and Tony starting up therapy again because especially the, yeah. like when i watched this scene i was like wow he's kind of laying it on thick where he's like y- yeah he even brings up the suicide and like oh you could have been on vacation there's a phone call that you could you were mm-hmm. fully in contact with people yes uh very much so and it is like she has been um uh, i guess she probably regrets letting her uh, ex-husband know about uh, about this because uh, you know the, everyone just started complaining about it so she could have kept it purposefully a bit vague while still talking about it in order to get this perspective because as you said maybe if he knew everything he would be giving different advice but yeah. he she wants him to remain maybe impartial or something and just says it's a patient with troubles that are interfering with her private life or something along those lines. Well and also you can even connect it to what's happening in this episode how she reverts to a different person around Tony and maybe that's a similar thing where she doesn't want to get into it even with her therapist and even her being a therapist herself knows probably deep down inside that she's kind of uh, you know lying to an extent Um, but you know that's why you have a therapist because 
even though you know you might be making the wrong choice, you still make the wrong choice. <laughs> yes. Uh, so then we have Yoga with Richie and Janice, who uh, spot each other while doing the downward facing dog or what have you. I did wonder, do you think, I mean, because I don't know if he he's telling the truth when he says, like, oh, I do a lot of stretching or whatever. So I was almost like, hmm, is he just there to arrange a meeting with her or what? I well, I mean, I think it is a little of both, but I I like I believe him when he's talking to Beansy about meditation and stuff and stuff he learned in the can. Yeah, and that's I, true. I do think this is a real thing, and I I also think like yoga is still like a punchline even like now in modern days, but it's also more of a normal thing. And it, mm-hmm. I think in the context of the year two thousand, it was even more of a punchline, new agey thing, and that's why it fits so well with Janice and like the parts of her that we know about like her seattle like disability uh spiritual name side like i think it was even more of a silly thing than when they were making this show that that they'd be at yoga that's true it is a little bit now but that's uh probably gone like even more mainstream than therapy because therapy is still weirdly looked on kind of similar to the way it was uh, almost 20 years ago when this show started. I mean, probably gotten a little bit better. I mean, but but that was the punchline, you know, that someone would go see a therapist is like the whole basis of the show, how strange that concept and idea is. And to me, I honestly maybe didn't even think that much that it would be that weird for him to do the yoga thing because <laughs> yoga has been normalized more than that. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm sure he, he probably was doing the meditation and all that. At the same time, there's well, I was going to say there's probably a lot of yoga studios in New Jersey, but uh, hey, it was 20 years ago. I, I Maybe there wasn't. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, I do think that there, it's definitely premeditated, though, to run into Janice for sure. It is pretty strange for me that, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, Parvati. I'm called Parvati now. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he, like, goes along with that. And he's acting almost like a little puppy following Janice around. And I'm like, have you met Janice? Why, why are you doing this, Richie? You're even less relatable to me. Uh, well, I mean, I guess they got history, as we learn later on. That's true. Uh, I mean, yeah, she he did pick her up in the car back when she was... Uh, getting driven to all manner of uh, amusement parks, and Tony was probably in the trunk of that car and everything. So you can only imagine what, what that, you know, has put in his uh, unconscious. Pimp's beep. <laughs> uh, subconscious, that's right. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, he says he picked up that yoga shit and, and whatnot. That's pretty much that scene, I think. Uh, the next one, uh, Richie's all upset because he's been dragged to a fucking mall to talk to Tony. Mm. And Tony's like, will you calm down, please? Yes, yeah. And and I think this is where we start to get the sense of, I mean, we already know that the he's clearly got some bitterness of doing his time and wanting to get b- back in business with, with what's his. Um, but I think this is where we start to get the sense of the bitterness where, like, if you look at it from Richie's point of view, and I mean, he'll clearly tell you he's old school because he's, mm-hmm. you know, he, he definitely says that at least once. Um, but look at it this way. Tony Soprano was his younger brother's friend. And, yeah. you know, he's been away for 10 years. Tony Soprano is still just this punk kid. But now he gets out and now that he's the boss. So yeah. you're starting to get that sense where... Even though he's old school and he does respect the rules, he clearly has this, you know, machismo 
that's kind of going against like I have to take orders or not even that Tony's giving him orders, but I have to like check in with Tony Soprano for stuff. Yeah. Um, and they also do bring up Feech Lamada's card game. And yeah. uh, I mean, I, I, I hate to be that guy that's like, ooh, here's a thing. What about this thing? And uh, it's not that, that big of a deal, but it's just a nice the Sopranos bring stuff up like this. And then later on, like it continues to be brought up as a thing. So uh, that's all I'll say. <laughs> well, I was going to bring it up kind of as a joke and say like, well, yeah. And you also saved her when, <laughs> or saved him when they, you know, stuck up Feech Lamada's card game. <laughs> yeah. But Hey, if you say it's there, it's there. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll be uh, waiting with bated breath. Uh, but yes, Tony's all, you're like a big brother to me. You'll be taken care of. And I don't think he wants to hear that he'll be taken care of. Uh, I don't think that's a great thing for him to hear. Um, and, you know, and, what's, what's yours will be yes. yours again. But you got to give us some time, man. Uh, and then what's and, mine is not yours to give. Like, like exactly. just real, like... I mean, even like us, the audience were like, "Oh, dude, what the fuck? Why are you being such a dick right now? Like, yeah. <laughs> why are you pushing it?" Like, and it really just kind of comes down to it's this this battle because I do believe that Richie Aprile respects like mob authority, but he doesn't want to respect Tony, so yeah. that's kind of the big sticking point. Well, yeah, which does bring us into, I don't know if it's, it's not exactly the next scene, but we could discuss it uh, where Junior is yeah. at the doctor and we get a kind of follow up of last week when he fell in the shower and he talks about how he's been feeling all sorts of weird things. And the doctor points out, we've used the word psychosomatic a bunch. Uh, he uses it here to describe, yeah, of course, you're out on medical leave. So your body's pitching in for this fucking ruse you got going, basically. Um which is interesting. But then uh, Richie shows up and pledges allegiance like a samurai holding up his sword for <laughs> yeah. Junior to take and stab whomever he chooses with it. And he says, hey, if you say this is the way it is, I'll go with it. But if not, just say the word, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all interesting stuff because it is like a nice, you know, uh, like there was the subtle setup. I mean, where we see Junior in the last episode, you know, playing the part of a super old man. And then kind of questioning it later when he's in the waiting room, seeing himself on TV and double like rethinking like, oh, my God, am I just an old man? And then he then he has the cliche fall in the shower, has to be called out, uh, uh, carried out by Tony. And now his mind, yeah, his mind is kicking in with his body and he's just feeling like an old man with a busted hip. And, yeah, the Richie thing's really, uh, really interesting because... You know, obviously where things left off with Uncle Junior and Tony, they seem to be rebuilding after the last episode. But then you got to wonder, is Junior tempted to accept this offer and, you know, try to push things and, you know, take the power back? I think of course he is. But at the same time, I can't see how he is going to be the boss after that so it would almost be just like just kill him just for the fun of it and i don't know if he thinks that's that fun he didn't actually want to kill him in the first place he just had to so it's an it's a very interesting thing though there's this whole alliance brewing this unholy <laughs> alliance of junior richie and janice and i'm like oh <laughs> this is uh, let's dig our trenches this is going to be a long season guys um, speaking of Janice, before this scene, she does arrive at the house, uh, gleefully picks up her disability check, 
uh, which they cut to a very big close-up of where I had to pause and like, what are they are they trying to show something different here? Is it a different name? Is there some scam? No, it says Parvati, which is legally her name, I guess. Yeah. Um, so there's nothing special about I mean, that, I suppose. The, the scam is just that she's clearly not dis- disabled, like she's playing it. But yeah, they do hang on it for a while, I guess just so everyone's like fully aware, like she's getting paid by uh, the city of Seattle and she's in New Jersey and yeah. claiming some phony disability. I mean, it was only like 200 bucks or something like that. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't know if 200 bucks was worth that much more 18 years ago, but who knows? Maybe she could, you know, dine out at a nice restaurant. And it is nice to see this full, uh, you know, turnabout here of where she has to deal with the mess. So now you need to fucking discipline your kids. You need to do yeah. something. <laughs> Yeah, because he, she goes home immediately, and we see Tony reading "What's your honeycomb IQ" on the back of a honeycomb cereal box. I know this is that apparently is... how he spends his days. I noted that as well. I love that he was reading the honeycomb cereal box as he. <laughs> and he's sitting hunched over like the big bear he is, and Janice thinks, "Hey, what a good idea would be to go and poke this bear." And as you said, total reversal, saying everything the opposite from before. Uh, so he kind of breaks his bowl, like does the old uh, does the old plate smash. He kind of storms out as he well. Kind of storms Maybe. out. Kind of double check bit. it real quick. Does that count? That's what I was thinking. But I, I, I we did count a previous storm out, and he, he does go like, "Who the fuck are you kidding? You're just here to pick the friggin' bones." And, uh, you know, she says, also, I mean, he was in the middle of eating his things. But then is it every time anyone leaves a room? No, this is a storm up because he he was in the middle of eating. He didn't finish that cereal. He fucking whipped it off the wall. And yeah, if there can't up. be a storm out outside of therapy, this has to count. You know it what? has to count. You know okay. what? Counting it. Counting it. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the storm out sounder. That's right. <laughs> Oh, this and you know what? Like that ba- could, that could almost have been right out of this scene. So uh, that's why it's yes. even more why it counts. Absolutely. So we're at six to sixteen. Um, yeah, perfect. Whereas it's almost like even better sounders to cut from here when he's like, "You're just here to pick the fucking bones," <laughs> yeah. or like a lot of balls. I think he says a lot of balls right <laughs> as he walks out. So we may need to recut that one, perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then uh, Carmela also lets Janice know that it, how we discipline our children is none of your business. And uh, the total reversal is so embittering that, uh, yeah, she actually, like, wonders, are all you Sopranos the same? Uh, and it is, yeah, it's none of your fucking business. And she actually lashes out at Janice, who she's been more, uh, very. I mean, she's very diplomatic towards Janice, or has been. And it's sad that this doesn't last. You know, and and um, especially here in these early, like we're only a couple episodes into season two, um, Edie Falco as Carmilla, like she's really great. And she's really great in this episode. She doesn't, I mean, she doesn't have a ton going on, but what the, when, yeah, she says, um, yeah, mind your fucking business about my kids. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's great. Uh, yeah, and she definitely becomes more likable to me as a new viewer, and it's nice to see her and Tony kind of uh, agree on some stuff, because in season one, it, I mean, she was very three-dimensional, but at the same time, she was kind of taking the role of, like, I'm the nagging wife for a lot of it, plus I have this weird chemistry with the priest, uh, and, like, that was basically 
what she was doing, even though she had a lot more to her as well. But having her allied with Tony more, and in the previous episode, saying, telling him to get back into therapy for all these reasons, her her being the reasonable one is kind of new. Yeah, for sure. And I got a quick backtrack to um, when uh, Richie meets Tony at the mall, and then he does throw in. He does make it as a crack when he says, "How's your sister?" It's very similar. I mean. Oh, it, yeah. it's, uh, it's very similar to Tony's not as subtle, uh, you don't eat pork that way line from the <laughs> yeah. episode previously. But I guess it does throw in a question, you know, that I, I do believe it was premeditated, Richie, to run into Janice. But is this a weird power move to just kind of be in Tony's face? Or do you think there's legit like he's kind of rekindling an old flame here? Well, uh, you know, the Sopranos are in charge right now, but he's almost friends with more Sopranos than he's enemies with Richie at this point. If he's has Janice and Junior, and I know, you know, Janice is not in the mob or whatever, but it is kind of like, it, it, I, I, I think it's a bit of both, honestly. Yeah. Because um, it's kind of, and for himself as well, and also, like, in general, like, Tony Soprano is just some kid. Like, I'm not going to be scared of him. Yeah. I'll go after his sister even more now. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, we talked about the hospital meeting. So then it goes to Richie's party at the Bing, and it's the same comedian from the old yeah, folks I home, did, right? I thought it was, yeah. <laughs> With some great goofs. I did want to mention before, I forget that Meadow does her classic stand on the stairs, hear the argument oh, thing. Yeah. Uh, when uh, Janice says that she's maybe I've stayed here too long and all that, and that might be important, though I'm not sure. Yes, uh, but yes, as you said, we're back to stand-up comedy and uh, stand-up comedy at a strip club. Um, I've heard it can work if you put it like separate, yeah. but it's probably not a great for you know they're not here for the jokes really, as he realizes or Tony realizes, I think. And uh, they bring on the girls, the Bing girls. Yeah, bring on the Bing girls. And then Richie, uh, Richie's kind of sitting up upstairs with all the rest of the guys. And they're all kind of paying their tribute, bringing their envelopes over. And then Polly Walnuts is <laughs> making cracks at one of the guys. He's just paying his tribute like, oh, wait, do you, do, wait, do you count it? It's all ones. Uh, and then he makes uh, he makes another comment, but then he gets completely bent out of shape when that guy brings up uh, Polly's mom. He's like, "What the fuck did you just say?" Uh, great Polly stuff, uh, even though he's not in the episode a ton. The comedian also does say, "I was talking to Polly Walnuts, <laughs> who thought the Richie had been in Bosnia or whatever." So we have it from multiple sources, which means as a newspaper, we can now go ahead and just uh, call him that forever <laughs> for all of eternity. But as you said, the party, you know, is not going great. I think Christopher shows up and points out that guy's he's got a real attitude problem. <laughs> fucking Christopher. I mean, he's right, but still, like, fucking pot, kettle, all of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This guy's got a real fucking attitude problem. Uh, and if there's one person that consistently has an attitude problem, it's Christopher Maltesanti. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, but Tony still, even with his friends, he's, he doesn't, like, want to talk shit about Richie. He, he says, you know, Richie will be all right. A, even finding out about, or, yeah, I think he's found out about Beansy or the first threatening th- yeah, thing. Yeah, so far it's just been the kind of uh, the, 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 what's it called, the coffee, the, the, yeah. the coffee mug or uh, whatever. Um, but I believe that he did say back off. Which, you know, Richie will twist into a hilarious moment coming up. Uh, But, Mm -hmm. yeah, he has been warned, you know, back off. And then they bring Richie over to 
get his uh, pipe cleaned, his pipes cleaned by some strippers, and he doesn't seem to really be into it too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he's into blood. He wants yeah. blood now. <laughs> yeah. uh, probably because of like Tony telling him not to do something. I mean, I'm sure he would do it anyway, but it's like he is kind of trying to prove this point of like, what's mine oh. is not for yours. Well, and that's the other thing, though, because when it does, when the girls are dancing and it cuts to like people giving him the envelopes, the, the first thing he says when it cuts to him is he goes, is Beansy here? So he's yeah. still like concerned like not even um, from a standpoint of like shaking him down, but it's almost like, well, you didn't visit me in the can, and you didn't come to my party. Like he's really hurt, <laughs> like on a personal level, apparently by Beansy. He, yeah, and he, he's upset. Sorry. Yeah, he's upset. And earlier, um, he, Tony does say, like, back off. You you just out ten minutes, and you're trying to shake down Beansy. He's a good earner. And uh, Richie says, yeah, for you. Uh, and he also talks about how he was sucking up to Tony Soprano earlier and whatever. I mean, this means basically that Beansy is under Tony's protection, right? I mean, he's he's is being shaken down, though not violently, just in the sort of friendly insurance type way that you do with your pals, right? Yes, because Tony. Situation? Well, because Tony does say uh, those pizza restaurants are a good cash uh, option or business or whatever. So basically, yes, they are funneling money through those pizza shops and right. making collections if they need money. So he is kicking up to tony and as we learn you know like in goodfellas tony is basically the Polly, uh not Polly walnuts by the way Polly from goodfellas uh yeah like the you know the the the, uh, the police for the people that can't go to the cops like they're supposed to be getting protection for cases like this it's supposed to be okay i'm paying tony that means that richie april shouldn't be coming in saying that i you have to pay me Yes, and that earlier scene as well, when he when he does ask, um, you're taking the side of a civilian over me, Tony does say, Christ, I'm asking you to do me a favor. Uh, he says, do it if you want to. If you don't, go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, so basically, yeah, he's, he did tell him to back off, but he didn't say, like, if you touch him, I will have your head. Yeah. Uh, because he's a made guy, and you want to be friends with him. And he does think that it's all going to be fine. But just because of this thing of back off, it's like, well, now I'm going to do it even more. In fact, I can't even uh, I can't even get my jollies rocked off. Uh, I have to go and get it with violence and bloodshed. Yeah, well, he goes and hunts him down. I remember the line. He can't even get his joint copped. Like, whose joint oh, yeah. did you just cop? Because he tries to give her money and she doesn't want to take it. Uh, so, yeah, he, and it is great how he leaves there and immediately goes to find Beansy. Yeah, and he's like shooting after him, but he looks way more excited than he's been the whole uh, the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Then we have Carmilla outside the door with loud music, and I think it's this is also kind of a sitcom moment because I expected it to be Meadows' room, <laughs> yeah. but no, she's going to Janice, and they have like a, a basically like she's the daughter talk, uh, more or less, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, Tony lays it down later. She totally manipulated you. And if Tony had gotten a chance to talk to Carmilla in between, maybe she could have gotten through with this whole, oh, I've moved, I've stayed her too long, whatever thing. But uh, no, of course, Carmilla just feels terrible now. And you got to stay here forever, man. We love yeah, you. We're family. And also, yeah, yeah, maybe the music's a little too loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Richie backs up and uh, runs, runs Beansy over twice. Yes. Oh, and actually, one quick thing in the Carmilla and Janice, we do learn that Janice has like an estranged son that uh, I think his name was Harpo, they said. But, you know, he changed it because who wants to be named that? (laughs) Who wants to be named Oprah backwards? (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just a real quick thing. So, because it's kind of like, um, you know, I would almost have expected Tony to have brought that up when she's trying to, you know, judge their parenting, where it's like, you know, where's your kid? Like, it's just another yeah. layer for Janice. But yeah, so it's just a quick thing. But yeah, we go back and Richie, uh, what he basically like just drives into him, like uh, kind of smashes him into another car uh, between like uh, his truck and another car. Yes, uh, uh, which is, you know, kind of overkill, it feels like, because uh, he's even like left there and he's he's not like screaming or nothing. He's just totally out of it. And uh, I didn't even know if he was alive at that point. <laughs> then we get a quick little scene with Hunter and Meadow singing uh, I Don't Want No Scrub <laughs> and cooking. <laughs> And uh, they're talking about how grown up they are while making hot chocolate and grilled cheese sandwiches, and which ma- is great, and spilling milk everywhere. Yeah, making uh, a huge mess, talking about how uh, like responsible and grown up they are. I do yep. like how the scene before this with Beansy kind of in a heap, you start to hear scr- like TLC scrub, no scrubs, starting to kind of build in the background before the scene kicks in. Um, And yeah, they're kind of also congratulating themselves on their manipulation of their parents and how they kind of really held it down. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah. How did you their your parents punish you? Like they took away my discovery card for three weeks. He's like, that's nothing. And she's (laughs) like, yeah, it was my idea. So hypocritical. (laughs) Oh, it's just because they don't have anything going on in their lives. They focus on bullshit. So great scene. And she does have a comment too, like, oh, and like what, what my dad does for a living, like something along those lines as well. Yeah, yeah. It's hypocritical considering that. Um, so, which, you know, if she'd been charging admission, I'd have more respect for her, honestly. <laughs> yeah. If absolutely. she'd been like getting a bit of something going, then it's like, yeah, okay. But now it's just like, okay, you just ruined your grandmother's house. For nothing. Speaking of uh, her grandmother, um, the next scene is with Livia and Richie coming in with huge flowers. Again, I guess a kind of arranged meeting to uh, bump into Janice, I would assume, right? Yeah, because he does even ask. Well, he asks where his par. I don't remember. I don't remember her other name. What's Parvati? Yeah, yeah, because he does say like I thought Parvati was here, and then Livia, of course, has to be like who? And yeah. it's like you know your daughter Parvati. And he's like, "Oh, don't get started on that name business." <laughs> and yes. it is nice. It's I, uh, I don't know if this is kind of another sign of it. Like, you know, we've we've seen Livia Soprano in Green Grove, not a retirement home, remind you, a retirement community. But we've mm-hmm. seen her there, and then we kind of see her in this other hospital, and now it's even another step down where she has to share a room, something that she's like, of course, kind of annoyed with. But it is this. She's getting like stepped down more and more and more. Like now that she doesn't have Tony taking care of things and like uh, kind of having her back in a way, you know, she's just being shuffled off into the hospital room with the other babbling old women, like her worst fear, basically. Yes. And the other old woman seems like a nice lady, but of course she's like, oh, close the curtain. And Richie does it, kind of giving an apologetic look to and like a grin, like, hey, what you gonna do? Oh, (laughs) you know what's great though is because, yeah, he mentions his brother Jackie and and then Livia asks, how'd he die? And he's like, cancer. And then the other lady goes, I have cancer. (laughs) Yes. Or she's like, oh, she's like, close the curtain. He's like, he had cancer. She's like, me too. Like, (laughs) she's just (laughs) listening and interjecting into the conversation. Because I mean, the sad state is that she is probably old and lonely. So it's like even a visitor for my roommate, that's kind of like a visitor for me. 
Yeah, and I mean, it makes it extra sad and insulting when the response is, shut that curtain, will you? Come on, let's... Because he's just still going to be able to hear. <laughs> but yeah. And, and yeah, sure. you're right. Uh, Richie's kind of apologetic. It is it is interesting to see him with other people. And it's hard to see... I mean, I guess, obviously, he is kind of putting it on a bit. But, you know, where we see him with Tony, and then we see him kind of being nice and apologetic to this old lady because he has to <laughs> close the curtain in her face. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, but I mean, he's he's nice, but then he does say like, you know, someday somebody's gonna wash your mouth out with soap, hon, mm. which no one else would ever say to Livia, <laughs> uh, and it's pretty it's pretty weird to hear something like that. And I'm almost even with all everything I feel about Livia, I'm still like, get the f- you get the fuck out of there. Who do you think you are, Richie? Because <laughs> yeah. I I approve of her reaction. He's like, oh yeah, who? You? Oh, I wish the Lord would take me. And then she goes into that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so then, yeah, then Richie and Janice kind of have a, like, like a sit down in the cafeteria, the hospital cafeteria. And I mean, like through these scenes, we learn that they at least had some sort of fling in the past, whether it be like high school or whatever, or just, you know, growing up. Um so it does give a little bit more validity because I think obviously the first conclusion to jump to is that he's fucking with Tony. And like, mm-hmm. I think like you were saying, I think there's definitely an element there, but it is interesting that it seems to be more than that. Yeah, and she says, we weren't good for each other 20 years ago. Why would it be any different now? But he points out, would I have gone to yoga 20 years ago? Uh, because she says, oh, I'm not that person anymore. And he's like, yeah, I'm not that person anymore either. Maybe mm. we could get something going here. And it does seem kind of genuine. Yes. Um, so next scene, we're at uh, breakfast again. Uh, or, yeah, I think so. What are yeah, they yeah, about they're basically here? in the kitchen because that's where what Meadow has their outburst of like, how many fucking times do I have to say it wasn't my fault or, or whatever? And well, this is where she needs money, I think, for a book or something or other for... Uh, for school, or I think for... For madrigals, I guess, yeah. the choir thing. Oh, they, yeah, the uh, choir she's in. Yeah, she needs a Cole Porter CD. Uh, we're doing three of his songs. He took my card, remember, so I need 15. And he gives him her 20, and she's like, Ugh. and he's like, what is it with that look? And, I mean, we can touch on the ending now, I guess. Yeah, I was going to uh, bring that up, because it's weird you would almost think the change happens when she's listening on the stairs but that's like way yeah. earlier and we we see her with hunter like goofing on her parents although i guess part of that could be a put on because when you're with your friends like kind of like with tony and the blowjob lips and all that but then she's still kind of being bitchy about everything so when do you think she has this like responsibility uh kick in in her mind Honestly, first time I watched it, at the end, it's all, it's so surprising that I expected to see, like, Janice there cracking a whip or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, or just an extra added thing of, like, someone made her do this. And then it's like, oh, no, it's just this thing that's in uh, good writing sometimes where someone says something over and over and over and then does the opposite at the end because they're actually convincing everyone else and themselves. And I think, I guess the turning moment is her asking for 15 bucks and she gets 20 instead. And she's almost, she's almost, she's almost almost looking for discipline, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I like that read. She's almost looking for discipline and, Maybe in in a way she just feels bad. She's like, "Oh my god, like, yeah. well, well, like I am, <laughs> I am like a spoiled like piece of shit." 
<laughs> yeah, uh, which I mean, I guess that's the interpretation. You're right, though. I, I wanted to bring up her listening in on the conversation because she likes Janice. She doesn't want Janice to go away, and she hears Janice upset, yelling about it or whatever. Maybe that plants the seed, but it is kind of strange to have um, Meadow and Hunter that short scene where it is and i almost feel like maybe it was written in a different order and they plopped it in there and it just worked in the edit because I, I don't think it doesn't work but i could totally see how that scene putting it earlier would make sense yeah but then putting it earlier at the same time would just be over explaining it mm -hmm. um and now putting it close to the end it's sort of emphasizing this thing right before we get the turn kind of yes yeah and i think it's still like it could be totally when you go back knowing where it ends, it kind of can come off more as just posturing. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, just some kids in high school BSing about their parents, you're going to act tough and kind of say some shit, even though, you know, thinking rethinking it a bit on the inside. Um, it is like an interesting turn, and it does show that, like, you know, Meadow is a good kid. It's just, you know, like all of us, you all get caught up in that you know, melodrama of being a teenager in high school. Uh, yeah. And then you add in the extra layer of being like a rich mafia daughter uh, kind of then. And that's what you get. You get Meadow Soprano. <laughs> yeah. And she even uh, like walks away from her plate of have finished food with like her uh, can of soda or whatever. And then Janice comes in with the flowers that Richie brought for Livia <laughs> And sits down and starts eating Meadows' food. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. She just gets right in there. Well, and that's picking at it. That's perfect too, because you know, like as we saw with the, I mean, in most of her scenes, but it it was not so subtle when Carmilla has to knock on her door and she's blumping music. She is just another daughter in the house, so she could easily just fill that Meadow role, sit down and start eating her food. Yeah. Exactly, except she doesn't have the whole bad conscience thing at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then there's a scene where I did figure out that this was a dream sequence, but it's a pretty good reveal that it's not Tony's dream sequence because I was think we've only seen his so far. Um, I believe so, and, yeah. yeah. It's it's Tony driving along, Wizard of Oz playing, and he did tell her like last time they really talked how he crashed his car and like oh you look fine she said but obviously that's still in her brain rattling around because he has a serious crash the type where he goes out the window kind of cartoonishly and is probably dead or something and then she just drives past and is like what and then she wakes up and writes it all down including the soundtrack from wizard of oz yeah we're out of the woods uh i believe it was the song playing something like that yeah. and i just i love it because like I was saying earlier, it kind of just comes off as corny, although maybe that's just my uh, piece of shit point of view. But it it comes off as a little goofy, but totally in character. And all, I mean, and honestly, totally like uh, healthy in the in the end, at least to kind of try to go into your subconscious and, you know, see what's pecking at you and, and what's causing this anxiety and these dreams. Yes, and she writes Wizard of Oz, but more importantly, she writes Prozac and underlines it three times because um, because Tony is trying to take it in the car, but he's run out and he needs a prescription for that. So I think that's probably going to be like 
her way of making it legitimate for her to go to him because he's not going to come back to her after she told him to get out of her life. And at this point, she's like, she can't go and like, hey, I changed my mind, by the way. Do you want to do therapy again? But she can go and like, I think it would actually be irresponsible of me to not let you have this prescription, which I do, in fact, think that you need. Um, so you're, we could sort that out if you want. And then that could lead to them getting back together getting the gang back together yeah yeah and uh i mean it's a quick it's a quick thing and it's not like fully dwelled upon but i mean just his reaction i mean this the storm out that we counted it's just another layer of what we've been seeing in these episodes uh of tony you know needing to be back in therapy uh not that it will fully fix that stuff because he's kind of always like that but it's just you know another sign of his aggression and like lashing out so it all it all works speaking of aggression next scene is in the hospital with beansy uh strapped up like a robot with everything he's got in different braces and his family's there crying over him and uh tony shows up yes yeah uh and what his family is kind of like you're gonna let him get away with that or you're gonna do anything about this and then beansy kind of makes a comment like he's lucky i'm not a rat because you know the cops know that wasn't a hit and run and it's like, you got to be careful with talk like that, Beansy. You are just a civilian. I mean, yeah, you got Tony Soprano's ear, but clearly it's not paying off that well so far. Yeah. Yeah, which is true. Like, what is this uh, insurance money worth exactly um, if you can't can't even get Tony to, co- to, to cover your back? Um, but he, he does uh, wipe his – or, yeah, he does blow his nose for him and gets a great line <laughs> in of, like uh, – won't even be able to wipe my own ass and he's like well your nose is as far as i'm willing to go <laughs> Great line. yeah uh and, yeah i mean uh, it's just yeah. it's all it's pretty straightforward it's just you know tony this this richie issue so far is not going away and it's getting worse so it leads to another you know mall showdown where tony has to throw his weight around a little bit if you heard at the top of the show it's one of my favorite lines in all of the sopranos because I can't tell if they scripted that it's motherfucking fucking one that calls the shots or if yeah. he fucked up or he just threw that in there. Like, but it works so well. Motherfucking fucking. Like, that's great to me. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm the motherfucking fucking one who calls the shot. Yeah. But uh, Richie, he, I mean, he tells him, now get the fuck out of here. But uh, yeah, Richie just says, all right, Tony. And he's like, yeah, all right. And he does he does this thing that he does when he leans over someone. I figured it out. His eyes go kind of cross-eyed because he's so close to you <laughs> that he's just staring you down so hard. Yeah. That's when he looks like a crazy, insane bear. We've seen it a few times, like when he was leaving, leaning over Melfi and stuff uh. like that. Um, but yeah, that is kind of the scene. Obviously, Richie's not going to go, you know what? I was wrong. So uh, I look forward to seeing where that goes. The final scene, though, as we've already mentioned, he pulls up to change the locks at the house, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and he finds uh, Meadow in there scrubbing up and cleaning the floor. And I'm about as shocked as uh, Tony is because she's there like almost throwing up. And even if she had the impulse of like, I should go and clean, it's weird how much commitment there is to it because there's like tr- huge trash bags and everything. And she's really doing it. And um, it's kind of, yeah, it's interesting. Yes, yeah, and uh, what what's your read? Uh, I mean, is, is Tony like Tony's scene there? Is it just it is just complete like befuddlement, right? Like, 
Um, is he yep. getting? Is is he having any type of enlightenment moment for Richie though, or no? It's just kind of like what the fuck? Is it just that yeah. like I didn't do anything? I thought, <laughs> what did I? How did I fix this? What happened? Who went and talked to her like I talked to Richie? Like I don't get it. Uh, yeah, that's the reaction I had as well. So I identify with that. I don't see any sort of like oh, I learned something today. Yeah. It's just kind of like what? What the fuck? Yeah, that's and, how I see and it. And again, and like that's kind of like, I mean, obviously there's that one big cut to black, and yes, we know it's not necessarily always cut to black, but it's one of the things we've talked about with this show is they always tend to have an interesting way to end off the show. It's not like, I mean, not not to say they're not above having a cliffhanger episode uh, ending, but they always try to do something weird um to kind of leave you hanging and wanting more, and uh, so far, like they're masterful at it. Yes, that's why we often like to grab the screen caps of the last shot because they're usually telling in one way or the other uh, part of the story. And I mean, th- it is symmetrical as they often like to do, as many good stories do. It does start with him arriving at the house um, when the party's happening. So it makes perfect sense to end it right here. You could have started it with... Uh, and maybe in the edit, that's why the edit got weird, that maybe it did start in the script with uh, Richie getting dropped off at Beansy's place as kind of a cold open type thing. Mm-hmm. But the symmetry works better like this because you got the house at the start and then again at the finish. Well, and plus, I feel like lesser shows, you're more tempted to end on the, the Richie thing. Like, you yeah. know, I'm the motherfucking one. The co- like, there's the, the, the tough guy Tony moment and then Richie... Even though, yeah, we get the sense that Richie's not going to go away, but at the very least in this moment, Richie didn't have a comeback or a passive-aggressive line. He took his kind of licks and walked away. So it's like at least a small victory there. And uh, I, I don't know. I have to imagine there, there must have been some discussion, and it would almost seem that in some cases you would end on that, but I like the choice they made. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, final thought I had on the episode was, um, well, it's got the ep- this episode got me thinking again about family and stuff, and about how the real threat from for for these mob organizations in this story, at least, is not really like. I don't know. It's not quite Breaking Badish of like it's someone else moving into our territory because they like touch on that, but that it's like, oh yeah, we took care of it off screen already. Like, and here's a bunch of money. Like, the real threats are definitely from within, and even to the level of like it's because of this feudal weird society we built that we have this respect and we have these ties that now we obviously can't put him in a like in a, in a, in a under a bridge or whatever. And also, I mean. It's it's not just that he's a made man. He is the brother of someone you respected a lot, and they do have these close ties, so you don't actually want to kill him. Um, but everything would have been probably worked out a lot better if you just uh, did it right away, uh, <laughs> right here. That's my guess. I don't know what's going to happen next. But um, it's interesting that, like, yeah, the FBI is there or whatever, but they're kind of they're they're kind of just the reason you have to be careful about stuff. The real threats are from within, from within your own family. Much like in real life, most of your psychological scars won't come from strangers. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's interesting because when you really kind of uh, layer it out, what we know at this point, I mean, 
Jr. is kind of more of a friendly, but, you know, it wasn't that long ago where he was an immediate threat, so he's kind of in the mix. We as the audience know what's going on with Big Pussy, and he's, you know, a, supposedly a loyal soldier of Tony. We have Richie April, who just showed up on the scene. And then we had that small inkling of a seed with Polly Walnuts in the season one finale, you know, just kind of asking questions, throwing stuff out there. So there's definitely, yeah, a lot of threads of very close people to Tony and potential, uh, you know, uh, potential damage there. Yes, I'm excited to see how uh, how this whole Richie situation plays out. As I said, I was all for uh, give him the him the old Altieri uh, or yeah, that's Altieri. Yeah, the, the, yeah, Jimmy the old Altieri, Altieri uh, pill, the old uh, the old goodbye. How do you do Russian prostitute situation? But hey, I know I get it. You can't. Whatever. Uh, before we do wrap up, I did want to mention we got a comment on our website, showswhatyouknow.com, from Mary, who writes, Like Jacob, I'm fairly new to The Sopranos, as I've just finished watching the entire series over the winter. I agree that it's better not to binge, as there is a lot of food for thought. I've, uh, I've listened to all The Sopranos podcasts I can find, and I especially enjoy yours. Thank you. Um, and uh, would you consider doing a podcast about my number one all-time favorite show, Mad Men? What's your response to that, Jim? Uh, I mean, I think that I think that's another show that definitely lends itself uh, to not binging. I have seen it before. I, I would be down to go through it again. And I mean, there's there's a big Sopranos connection because uh, Matthew Weiner or is it Weiner? I'm trying to I be mature here. Don't know. But Matthew, no. I'm going to say Matthew Weiner, he, the showrunner and creator of Mad Men, uh, did get a lot of his uh, smarts working on The Sopranos. And as you'll see, Jacob, in the future, you'll definitely get that feeling of, to you, I guess, it would be the Mad Men touch. Um, but watching Mad Men, it was like, oh, this feels like later Sopranos. So. Oh. A lot of advertisement. I get you. I know what you're talking about. It's gonna, but, he's going to go into the ad business. Ah. But the other side uh, of that is, as per our last review, if you want to hear about Mad Men, listen to a fucking Mad Men podcast, <laughs> God damn it. That's true, <laughs> which we might make. Yeah, um, yeah I, I've also watched Mad Men, and I do think it actually does enhance this show a lot that I haven't seen it and you have. Uh, and maybe we'll be able to find something that's a good mix where I've seen it and you haven't or something like that. Obviously, Mad Men is a good one. And it's there's a lot of food for thought there. At the same time, I mean, there are a lot of Sopranos podcasts, but I would kind of be interested in finding something that doesn't have quite as many people discussing it necessarily uh, for our next one. But uh, the, the next one where we're going week to week to week, that is, because we are also covering Westworld right now, Season 2, and The Handmaid's Tale. You can find all of that at showswhatyouknow.com or search for... Gilead Gazette is the name of our Handmaid's Tale podcast. You can find that on your podcaster of choice. That's Gilead like the country in the Handmaid's Tale. And Gazette like it's a newspaper because we do a little typewriting sound effect. Um, And the other show is called Westworld Theories, named after the wall I have, which you can see on the video feed at youtube.com slash shows what you know, where I have a bunch of Westworld weird theories on my wall. And we do a lot of theorizing on what's actually going on there in the old world of West. Yes. Uh, Is there anything else we should bring up, Jim? Well, you can find more of Jacob. I mean, now I feel like we have so many plugs at the end, but we'll (laughs) we'll keep it up. You can find more of Jacob at awesomepedia.org and also awesomepedia on YouTube. A lot of 
content, a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, you can find more from me at JimandThem.com and Jim and Them on YouTube, podcast, comedy, pop culture, <laughs> great stuff. There's so many things, I don't even know where to start. Well, you should start by coming back next week and listening to The Sopranos. Maybe send us an email at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at Let's Just End It. Uh, yeah. Jim, uh, what is up? Cut to black.